0: What is up, Forward Madison supporters, flockers, fans, and friends? This is Rob Chapel hosting in lieu of Jeremy Rushing, who is uh, off doing other things this week. He's getting married this weekend, so congratulations, Jeremy, and Jeremy's family. Uh, and, but with us uh, today, in uh, alongside me here, is uh, who, one who's often... Referred to as the busiest man in Madison soccer podcasting, Mr. Kyle Carr, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty well. It's kind of funny because I recorded Ford's backwards yesterday, so I it was funny because it's like, yep, everyone, anyone that follows Ford Madison is going to keep hearing my voice this week, and I apologize <laughs> if you don't want that.
0: We're stuck. Everybody's stuck with Kyle this week. Uh, yep. Kyle, you are you one of you, you're vice president of the flock? Is that right?
1: I am the secretary.
0: Secretary of the flock. I mm-hmm. do that. Uh, and as you mentioned, co host of the Forwards Backwards podcast and also uh, co host of the Walking 90 podcast. Is that right?
1: Correct. Yeah. What Walk is that? 90.
0: Tell us about that. I've, I've, I'm a listener, so, but maybe not all of our folks are.
1: Yeah. So, for those that don't know, Walking 90 is a show that talks about USL League One as a whole. Um, obviously, there was League One Fun, and then unfortunately, that kind of had that that didn't continue. There's League One Unfiltered that didn't continue. So then. Myself, Elliot Barr over in Richmond and Ebony Christmas down in North Carolina. Um, We kind of decided to just kind of start having a show that focuses on USL League One. So we did that and it is a show that and then lately we added Chip over in Omaha. So it's a show that talks about the league as a whole. We preview matches, recap what's going on. Uh, We have a live show that gets broadcast on YouTube and Twitter every other thursday and then in between those there's a twitter spaces where we kind of just talk about the matches so it's been pretty nice you can follow us at and 90 pod but it, it can get a little chaotic i i will say it's <laughs> it's cal- slightly I, No, it hasn't gotten calmer I, I was gonna say maybe it calmed down a bit this season but that's so. a lie
0: <laughs> no no it's fantastic and and, and uh, the twitter feed of that podcast was the best followed during the u.s open cup when all those cups that's were happening it, it's kind of fun
1: because yeah. it's kind of a rotation. You can kind of tell who's tweeting who. You can tell who's tweeting at times, and sometimes you don't know. It could be myself. <laughs> it could be Ebony. It could be Elliot. You, right. And then there are times where it's blatantly clear. <laughs> right.
0: Yep. There's there's a certain attitude in some of the tweets. Um, listen, if you are listening to this right now, wherever you're listening to it, hit the subscriber button or the follow button or whatever. Uh, that helps us in the uh, algorithmically. Uh, and give us a rate, rating and review uh, to tell everybody who you know, stumbles across us on Apple Podcasts just how wonderful we are. Uh, in a little bit, we are going to chat with Keith T. Meyer, the Director of Soccer Operations and Development for Ford Madison FC and the uh, former uh, UW Badger Assist Associate Head Coach. I had a great conversation with him earlier today, uh, and we'll have that for you soon. But first... We're going To talk about Ford Madison and uh, the thing we don't want to talk about, which is this match this past weekend. Um, what can we say about this? Let this uh, loss it was at bad, Greenville. It was bad,
1: <laughs> it wasn't good. It, right? I, I had said it was the worst half, the first half was the worst I had seen Ford Madison ever play.
0: Yeah, and okay, let's let's set the stage first, though. It, we're depleted, right? We only travel with 16, which is.
1: Not ideal. Not
0: <laughs> ideal. There's no. We all knew. We knew that. We knew Malay Tunjua was about. We know Abdul Baki Jam is still battling a hamstring. What we didn't know is that Audie Jepsen and his environment also picked up Knox. They must have been late scratches because otherwise you don't travel for only sixteen.
1: Yeah, um, I, I think Nazim was actually yeah it was like a pretty late late call where mm-hmm. it was kind of one of those where he just couldn't travel and I, I feel like with audio was kind of yeah that one came out of the blue as well. I was yeah. kind of surprised when I saw the lineup.
0: Right. Right. And it, it makes it difficult when, especially when you are, I'm, I'm, I would imagine Audie would have been in the starting 11. Uh, and Jazeem may or may not have been, but, but you know, it, it just changes the way you're approaching the match as a manager. Right. Uh, so, you know, no excuses, but still that's the, that's what we come in with. Um, but then what happened, Kyle? Do, what do you think was the, was the issue uh, in that first 45 minutes?
1: There was a couple, and on, and I know a lot of people are going to look at the attack and the offense and kind of mm-hmm. point fingers there. But honestly, and I'm sure they'll say the same. It was defensively that was not what we were used to seeing
0: Mm-mm, from no. them.
1: It seems unusually lax. It was one of those where normally Ford Madison's defense has done a pretty good job at not mm-hmm. allowing clear cut chances for the opposition. Yes. I mean, half of the goals that they've allowed have been weird wonder goals, freak accident goals or they were down to 10 men so it's not as though (laughs) they're leaking goals left and right so the fact that they were just letting Greenville dribble anywhere they like and didn't really it there wasn't the intensity there wasn't the press it was kind of more of a let Greenville dribble let Greenville have the ball not really closing down on guys kind of like where you're saying it was very lax and you know Mm -hmm. the set piece goal was a prime example where Aaron Walker just runs on through basically unmarked which He's a big guy, probably should have let that happen. And then with the second goal, again, it was just kind of a, kind of just was able to dribble his way through it and get the shot off. And so I, I think that was kind of the, well, that was the thing that stood out to me was mm-hmm. defensively, they just looked so out of sorts. And there was, it didn't seem like there was any intensity. And I think, I think that was the thing that stood out to me in that first 45.
0: I think that lack of intensity is really well put. Is that up until this point, we, they've done that press where they're, they're just, really irritating and they're pushing a lot of high energy, just a lot of um, it's a, and it's been a conscious decision, right? To, to press the ball really hard and, and be really pesky and really difficult and make possession difficult for the opposition. Even if you're not, re, even if you're not turning over possession, you're, you're making possession very difficult for the other side. And they weren't doing that as much this time. I don't know if that was a decision they made or if it just, they were just feeling flat footed. I mean, after the match, Matt, did mention mentality that there's a, there was the, the mentality was wrong. So I wonder if it was just a lack of urgency, lack of intensity Um, on the second goal, like you mentioned, Gavilanes is is allowed to basically dribble in on his uncontested but and Roger Smith was right there. Like it was caught napping a little bit and uh, was, you know, trying to, I think he was trying to say Gavilanes was offside, but he wasn't, but, uh, but it was just that lack of intensity that, that there's just a, tiny little letdown, and these guys don't need much space to work with, right? You give them a tiny little bit, and but for some really good goalkeeping and a little bit of luck, this could have been four or five nil at halftime.
1: Yeah, Phil definitely right. had to make some vital saves, and I think one of his saves is up for save of the week, and Right, it, right. It, it was definitely one of those where I think the XG showed it was maybe Greenville like 2.59. I was like, I'm surprised it was that low. It probably yeah. should have been higher.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. And the, I mean, the, that, that save that's up for save of the week, I think is the save against Jake Keegan, right? In the 30th minute, he gets the ball in from Ibarra. Yeah. Off the double finds shot. A little bit of space against, uh, against Eric Leonard and, and puts the ball right on Phil. And, and Phil made a, a brilliant save on that. And then Aaron Walker in 41st is all alone in the middle of the box. There's at the, our entire defensive unit was like, had drifted to the right. Uh, Or rather, to the left. I'm sorry, to the left. And Aaron Walker and one other guy are all by themselves in the middle of the box. And Aaron Walker, like, looked up and almost like it was almost like he took too much time with it. And it was yeah, it was one of those where I
1: don't think he expected that much space around him.
0: Right. And he's like, so what do I do now? (laughs) And he and he just dragged it wide. And and you know how how that how he misses that I have no idea. But you know, like I said, but for some luck and some good goalkeeping, it could have and should have been maybe uh 4-0 at the at, at the half. And then in the second half, I don't know if this is uh was is this like we only have four subs, so we might as well use them. Or if this was like I'm sick of this, we're gonna make a change. And he run three subs at once. I, um, I think
1: it was the latter. I think it was. I think it was like was I've seen poor. enough. I need and, to do something different. Yes.
0: And Cyrus Rod and Alan Torres and Derek hephart are in for Mario Mikey Maldonado and Roger Smith, and then <laughs> immediately, Saras Rod got his ankles broken, which was like Gavalanius. What you know, Gavalanius is a hell of a good striker, so it's not the worst thing. But Phil made another big save right there. Um, and then, uh, you know, Alvin Jones gets the last 15 minutes, and that was all the subs we had other than the goalkeeper substitution, but but. Just a rough a rough night at the office. And, and the thing is, like, we had 48.5% of the possession. It was... We just couldn't do anything with it.
1: Yeah, and it was one of those where it was kind of the same old, same old. It was it just seemed like there was no fluidity. There was no mm-hmm. attack. Like, there was more shots in the box. There was more involvement in the box of this match than there has been in previous. But it still wasn't enough. I think they only registered one single shot on target. So it's still yep. kind of a... You're not really getting these, creating these chances, taking these chances, doing whatever you can. And especially against a Greenville team that was also struggling in that aspect, you know, having a lower conversion rate than Mm -hmm. Madison, having lower goals scored than Madison. It was kind of one of those where you wouldn't have guessed that Greenville was struggling uh, with the attack, with how they play as opposed to Ford Madison. It was kind of one of those. And when Gemhard came on after they released, there's a bit more it, it seemed like there were, there was more. Maybe that was partly Greenville took their foot off the gas because they figured they had this game wrapped up, so they didn't have to show as much intensity. But it seemed as though once Gebhard came on, it would. I don't want to say there was more, you know, urgency or the attack looked better, but it did feel as though okay, they're trying to do more. It, it seemed like they're trying to do more.
0: I will, yeah, I will say that they did. It did seem. I I, did, I hadn't thought about that. The Gebhard being the the factor there, but I think you're right that there was a little bit more oomph. In the last half hour, and we still couldn't really get anything going, but there was a little bit of more energy, maybe. Um, and when you said same old, same old, that's that's right to chord with me because it, it the the buildup that we were trying to do um, looked was we've said this before a couple weeks ago that it just was really predictable. Yeah. Right. And I've often wondered when people say that footballers want to express themselves or you want your players to, we're going to let our players express themselves. I, I always kind of wonder what that means, and I'm looking at this match, and I'm thinking, whatever that means, this is the opposite of that. It, right?
1: It was even, it felt like the, it was kind of the same thing with Fuego. It was just like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know what they're doing. It kind of feels like they're tr- following the strict, like, okay, you have to do this, then you have to do this, and you have right. to do that. Like, it has to go to A, to B, to C, and there isn't really a, well, what if I just skip A and B and C and just go straight to D? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like there's no, right, which, which when you what have if a, I just create this other route instead?
0: Right. <laughs> I mean, and when you have players like Matthias Cassini and Drew Connor and Derek Ebhardt and Roger Smith who can do that and can be creative and can find pockets of space and can maybe be a little cheeky and maybe do a little movement. Like, they're just, it doesn't seem like, I don't know if it's they're deciding not to or if they're being discouraged from uh, trying to express themselves that way. Um, but it's, like I said, it's just really predictable and frankly kind of boring to watch, you know, and, and we've got, and, okay, Matt, if you're listening, Neil, whoever's listening, I beg of you, the diagonal switches, please stop. <laughs> please don't do that anymore. The, I like, would go say, ahead?
1: please, if you're going to go laterally, at least do it with your midfielders and not your defenders. Like, that. It, help. It, it, you know, going from Osman to Leonard to Murillo, can we, can we, just stop doing that. like get it. <laughs> one of those, get it to Drew Connor or Cassini, and then they can go to Mikey or Jones or Gebhardt, whoever plays the right wing backside and get it to them, and then like go forward, just like, just intro well, way that's,
0: forward. That's the, that was the, the, the one, the last goal we scored, uh, was against Richmond was that, was it was, it was, went laterally through the midfield, mm-hmm. up the left side, back toward the middle, crossed to, to go and, and, and scored. Uh, but it seems like, like you said, it's either going laterally across the back, or one of the one of the the left or right center back, which or Caesar or whoever's on the right, is lumping these long diagonal crosses to a midfielder who is uh, often a smaller guy than the one who's marking them, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're gonna play those long crosses, they either have, have to be all alone in a lot of space. Or have the size to win the the 50 ball in the air,
1: and not and a don't... lot of and not a lot of them are there in the height department. And no, the ones got... that are there were hurt.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, Mitch, Mitch Osmond is the the only big guy we have right now. So mm-hmm. you got to, and that doesn't. I mean, obviously, you don't have to be tall to be good at soccer. As but... Eric
1: Leonard the show, you can jump high enough. And that works.
0: <laughs> right, right. But but you do when you're playing trying to play long balls, you got to have some size, and we don't have the size, so we got to adjust. And those, those long balls just were not working um, the last couple of weeks. They just haven't been working. So I think we've just got to – I don't know. It, it, uh, other than just saying, like, just play better, guys, uh, I feel like tactically speaking, uh, I think guys have to be given a little bit more freedom to express themselves, you know, which is that old trope. Um, but also I think uh, – I've been saying for three weeks, I think Mikey Maldonado is wasted at the six. I think he's doing a perfectly good job there, but I think he brings a lot more to the table as a left – Wing back. like he's just more dangerous.
1: Like I just- I would just like the three in the back to stop in general. <laughs> that that's oh, you want to go.
0: To, you want to go to four. I
1: I've I've said multiple times. That I've said to Keith was over four. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'd rather just eat the three in the back into the sun. I I don't think it's <laughs> I don't think it's helping with the build up play because instead right. of having you can and this is what I've always thought. Like you can still have Eric kind of sit in between Caesar and Mitch when they're off the ball and you have that three in the back, and then once they're on the ball, Eric can kind of move up more. And -hmm. then that allows, you know, whether it's AWO, whether it's you counter, whether it's Cassini or Enriquez, even Torres, like it pushes them up a little bit further. So it kind of gives them more of a chance. So I think that would help, but also be more direct. I think taking the ball and taking it at the opposition, I think would help as well. And even if they don't beat their man out wide on the fullback, or through the middle, at least mm-hmm. it's forcing them to kind of have to make changes. To, like the defender has to change agility, change direction that they're going, They don't, and they can't predict it as much.
0: Right. Now, uh, I, th- there was, that reminds me of, the, I think the first game of the season, was it at Tucson? Was that right?
1: The first one that was at Chattanooga. At Chattanooga,
0: yeah, right, yep, at Chattanooga, Sorry, um, We didn't have a lot of possession in that game, but with, with the possession we had, uh, it, it was, you could tell the, the group, Hadn't been together very long. Uh, and you can still tell that, you know, a month and a half later. But um, so there wasn't a lot of cohesive possession. But when, when possession was there, this is the first game against Santuca, it was immediately forward. Mm-hmm. It was every time we touched the ball, it was immediately looking to move forward. And I don't know where that went. It's gone. It's gone. It's we're now looking to move. We're, as soon as we get the ball, we're looking backwards. We're looking lateral.
1: It feels like that happened. Like the Tucson one was the last, which I think was the third or fourth match of the year. Like that was the match where it was kind of like it was gone. Like that was the last yeah. one where last time I saw that was the case where get the ball and move forward or have that press really working.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's disappointing. And I don't know where it went and I don't know if we're going to get it back. But I think it's it's a it's a combination of, of you know, the management of the game that Matt's got to make that decision to implement that. Uh, again or to instill that and then but it's also the the mentality of the guys that that they've got to be like you know we, we're gonna go for it here we're gonna we're gonna push we're gonna be urgent I, I when i'm coaching my little kids um urgency is the word i teach them because even if you ha- even if you're 10 years old and don't have any skills you can i can sense urgency yeah. <laughs> and it can go a long way you know so uh i would like to uh, see a little bit more urgency from from this team so um Anything else? Anything else on that? Match or should we just move on?
1: Yeah, it's probably best to move on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's all try to. Now, we talked a lot this year about resilience, right? And then we've gotten that that at that Chattanooga, that, that late equalizer sort of resilience within that game. You saw the, the freaky loss against Central Valley, followed up by the win against Richmond. That was you know, a lot of resilience from Filbrino himself and from the club. So now is an opportunity to be resilient again as we return to Bree Stevens Field and host charlotte independence on saturday uh then we head back to, to fresno for central valley on the 28th and then we have two home matches uh on june 4th and 11th against tucson and greenville so we're starting now to get to that point of the season where we're starting to see teams for the second time mm-hmm. uh and then we got the friendly against Paderborn or seven after those two matches so we got three home matches one of which is a friendly basically um what do you think about those guys? I think you think uh, based on what you've seen from Charlotte this year so far, uh, what do you think about Saturday?
1: Saturday's going to be interesting because Charlotte plays tomorrow or today, depending on when you're listening Wednesday, they play Wednesday yeah. against Northern Colorado at home. And Charlotte has been the epitome of we're going to try and outscore you as many goals as possible. We Mm -hmm. do not care about defense. We're going to score. If if you score three, we will try and score four. If you score four, we are going to try and score five. That is Charlotte's MO. They have a lot of attacking talent, and I think that's going to really put to the test. Can this Ford Madison defense make sure to stay locked in because that is an attack that can punish you and that can create on the opposite end, this might be the game that could help Ford Madison get right with their own attack because Charlotte's defense hasn't really been that impressive for most of the season. So I think other than the Tormenta match, which Tormenta also had a they have a, a lower goal scoring, but their defense is so good. Now's a zero-zero draw. Otherwise, Charlotte's been leaking in goals left and right. So this is a good chance for them. I think I said in those next three matches between uh Fuego, Charlotte, and Tucson, there needs to be six seven points from those three matches like tucson is a very winnable game fuego yeah. i think can be a very winnable game charlotte might be tougher just because like i said that attack is that good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so trying to match fire with fire might be tough but this is where formats is going to have to start trying to get some of these wins and it's not like hit panic button time this is kind of the okay now's your chance to make a run and really get going
0: Well, and these are important matches because I guess we've got six points from six games so far in ninth place on the table out of 11. Uh, Chattanooga, Tormenta, and Charlotte are all tied at the top of the table with 11. And then Central Valley has nine in in second place or fourth place, however you look at it. So with games against Charlotte and Central Valley coming up, like Madison could do itself a lot of good with a couple of wins, a couple of six, seven points in these next three matches. So we will be watching for sure. All right, before we get to our interview with Keith, uh, let's we'll go around the league. And Kyle, feel free to jump in on any of these matches. I, I, I was not in the mood to watch any more soccer over the weekend. So I've been, <laughs> I've I needed up.
1: some sports to distract me, not only from Fort Madison's <laughs> match, but the Milwaukee Bucks also did not uh, do any favors over we'll the weekend. So night. I was like, yep. I just need something to make myself feel better.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, so, but as, as a person who pays attention to the whole league, feel free to jump in on any of these. But uh, uh, North Carolina Football club falls 3-2 to Tormenta. Oh, Alex Anderson scored right on the hour mark for North Carolina and then missed a penalty. Like, it wasn't saved. He just missed it. Yeah, it was, it was bad. <laughs> uh, which left the door open. And then Arthur Bosua, uh, Bosua capitalized on a massive defensive error. This is one that certainly made the when playing it out of the bat goes wrong Twitter account uh, to score the winner for Tormenta. Uh, over to Richmond and Omaha, played to a one-one draw. Noi Meza and Owen Gordon trading first-half goals there. Uh, Chattanooga and Central Valley split the points, also two-two. In that one, it was a wild first half. Rafa that
1: Metzigen. was chippy.
0: Yeah, well, it feels like Chattanooga is always in a chippy game. Like they're just oh, yeah. kind of. <laughs> These are
1: two teams that want to be chippy, and it mm-hmm. provided the fireworks for it.
0: For sure, for sure. Rafa Metsigan scores for Chattanooga in the third minute. And then uh, Diego Casillas answers in the 15th. Uh, and then in stoppage time of the first half, Victor Falk nutmegs the ch- ch- keeper, uh, uh, Aviles. And then uh, they coming down the other end, and what, like a minute later, they are on a penalty. And uh, Galindra's converts that and then we're level. And that's how uh, we end things. Uh, that's with Jose Carrera Garcia earned a straight red. Which Wait, that one.
1: I don't know if that was a straight red. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It was orange. It was an orange. <laughs> I think if that well, if that tackle had happened earlier in the match, I was just gonna say, then yeah. it would have been a yellow. But because of how chippy everything had been leading up to it, I think that was kind of one of those where the ref was like. Oh, I'm I got to somehow keep control of this.
0: And well, and it was like the 90th minute. So it's not going to have a huge impact on the match. Probably that on the point. match, so, Yeah.
1: It'll hurt the next match. Probably. Right. Have yeah. It, yeah, but...
0: yeah. As, uh, as now he'll be out. Uh, Correct. Garcia will be out. We'll miss the next match. With Chattanooga, Green Greenville next weekend. Um, and then wrapping things up. Charlotte uh, wins two, one over Tucson, which is Tucson. Now lost three in a row. Tracer. You scored early. For Tucson and then and um no, for, for Charlotte rather. And uh, then Coasantos scored an absolute banger from about twenty-five yards out uh for Charlotte, and then then he got sent off for a second yell in the 65th, and then 10 man Charlotte holds on uh, to win that one. But that's a big deal for our match coming up, is Coasantos will not be available for Charlotte as they visit Madison on Saturday.
1: I can't say I was upset when I saw that happen.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, looking around Wisconsin in the USASA Amateur Cup Region 2 quarterfinal, Bavarians uh, went up to the Twin Cities and came away with a 3-1 win over Vlora. Now it Springfield in the semifinal on this coming Sunday. Serbians will host Adria in, in another quarterfinal on Saturday the 21st. Uh, in the WPASL up north, it was Eau Claire Batou. How did you say that? Batou? Batou?
1: I think it's Batu.
0: Yeah. 4-1 over Baron Soccer Team. Hayward Wolfpack dominate Postkin Jets 7-0 and Union-Eau Claire 4-0 over Spartan FC. In the Milwaukee Majors, it's Croatian Eagles 6-2 over Superstars and uh, Honduras FC 4, Legacy MK2. Uh, UPSL, Isthmus City, big upset here. Uh, Second-ranked Chicago Thunder come to Madison College. Uh, Isthmus City comes falls behind 2-1 at half and comes storming back in the second half to take a 4-2 win there. And then finally, three Madison area high school girls teams currently ranked in the Wisconsin Coaches Association poll top 10. Oregon stays at number one, McFarland in at number eight, and Wanakee at number 10. All right, let's hear from the Director of Soccer Operations and Development, Mr. Keith T. Meyer. For Madison Director of Soccer Operations, Keith T. Meyer, how you doing today, Keith? Doing
2: great, Rob. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, you bet. Uh, your title is, uh, it's something else. It's Director of Soccer Operations and... A few different positions.
2: <laughs> Fair uh, enough. And we're still learning about it every day, right? Um, yeah. Uh, the development part, I think, is got a couple prongs to it. One of them is to, you know, start camps and, and uh, have maybe an, an additional revenue stream for the organization mm-hmm. okay. um, through youth camps. And we've got a couple offerings this summer with half-day camps that we'll do in Breeze for the younger uh, players in the area. Um, we'll also partner with Eintracht Frankfurt, our our partner over in Germany, yep. going to the Europa League final and we'll do a camp with them again that'll be the second year of that camp. Um, and then hoping to do like a coaching symposium together with them and with Jim Launder on our staff, who's also with Wisconsin Youth Soccer Association. Um, so that's one side of it is the side. Um, The other side of the development is to continue the community engagement, particularly in my case, through the youth organizations, through Madison Area Youth Soccer Association, Chris Lay, the executive director there, um, and then all the member clubs. Um, And so we've been doing some clinics with some of the area clubs. We started out with Wanakee a couple of weeks ago. We were with Middleton United yesterday. We'll be with McFarland next Monday. We'll have Verona in a couple of weeks. We'll have Cap East in a couple of weeks. And we'll we'll wrap back around to some of the other area clubs here. And so just trying to get some of our players out and about, doing some engagement with the young players in the area, trying to remind people that Ford Madison's back in business after a COVID year and a year of playing over in Milwaukee before that, right? And,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and so that's the development side of it. And the, the director of soccer ops side is – probably a position that they've had here before, but usually gets kind of mixed in with more of an equipment position. And so my day is spent, you know, booking and arranging our travel, whether it's the flights to our uh, league travel agent, could be local buses. It could be buses here. It could be how we're getting to the airport. It could be how we're traveling equipment, certainly about how we're traveling players and staff, um, hotel arrangements, meal arrangements, things like that. Um, It is overseeing our kit man, Darian Moran, uh, who just graduated from, uh, college last weekend by the way oh, congratulations. um yeah and so uh, exciting time for him and he's young and learning about soccer business and learning about the equipment business working for us um managing a couple of interns that are helping as well um i don't get to see a whole lot of training i do get to get out to uh, first team training maybe one or two times a week and anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes um it's always awesome to see the guys train and play right um mm-hmm. And then, you know, it is things like uh, reviewing contracts, um, sitting in meetings with the coaching staff on occasion about players that we want to acquire or players that we have here, um, you know, and and then actually dealing with the league of getting those players registered and approved for play and dealing with anything that we have transfer-wise internationally through the FIFA system and all that to make sure guys are cleared and ready to go for us.
0: There's a lot that happens on a soccer club or any professional sports organization that that we just don't see right
1: yeah. you know like we,
0: we turn on espn plus on a saturday night and the, the, everybody's magically in greenville you
2: know <laughs> <laughs> it all works isn't it <laughs> right you gotta um, move the circus. <laughs> right
0: right um it, has that gotten it, i mean is is it harder now than it was pre-covid or is it different at all or is, are we getting back to normal a little bit
2: I think we're back to normal with regards to travel. I don't think any of us are nervous about being on airplanes or in hotels and things like that of acquiring a disease. Um, You know, there's still some league policies in place where, you know, the mask mandates have been lifted obviously here in Dane County and in our stadium and around training and around our locker room, but they haven't been lifted for the league with regards to we need to wear a mask when we're on an airplane. And, and it's interesting, you know. We've had some sickness going through the team, and it's funny. It seems like for two years now, as a general population, nobody's gotten sick from anything else other than COVID. Right, right. Not to want anybody to get sick, but um, as soon as we took mass off, now all of a sudden there's a cough due to cold running around, isn't there? Yep, a strep yep. throat running mm-hmm. around, and so it's probably a good thing that guys are traveling like that and being expected to travel like that. But you know, all in all, the travel itself is is seemingly normal. Being in a hotel is seemingly normal. Eating our meals is seemingly normal. It's a, it's a little bit more difficult sometimes to maybe arrange post game meals and things like that because some businesses are having a hard time with staff. Right. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. um, it's a little bit difficult sometimes arranging even a meal at a hotel because maybe they don't have staff properly. Um, it, it, things I think are a little bit more expensive. We see that in the news too, don't we? Um, and I think we see that maybe flight opportunities to to be able to fit a travel party of 23 people on an airplane is maybe a little bit more difficult too, because I think some of the airlines have cut down on some of their, Mm -hmm. just the seats that they offer. Right. Sure. Um, So, you know, all in all it's normal from the standpoint of, yeah, it feels good to be on an airplane. It feels good to be playing away games just like it does to play home games, but um, it's maybe not quite the old normal of how easy it was maybe to get around some places and get some of these things organized.
0: Yeah, so you, you're dealing with players and player contracts and, and that kind of stuff. So we, we just learned uh, as we taped this Tuesday afternoon, we just learned a little bit ago that Taylor Bailey is going to be joining the team on loan from Oakland roots. Can you talk about I don't know if you want to get too specific about that particular deal, but how does a deal like that come about, you know, is that people mm-hmm. just emailing back and forth about something or or how does that happen.
2: I always talk about, you know, even when I was coaching at University of Wisconsin, that my job's no different than anybody else's job, right? We're all smiling and dialing for dollars, and <laughs> you know, and, and you know, using resources however best we can, right? And um, you know, situations like this when we're trying to build our team and build our organization from a from a player standpoint. Um, it comes about at different times, right? In a perfect world, you have all 23 guys on your roster on February 11th when you kick off a sure. preseason and sure. that's the 23 guys that remain healthy all the way through and, and feel like they're in a good place and you're feeling great about them. and, and as you move from start to finish, it's the same three guys that fit or say, sorry, same 23 guys that finish mm-hmm. the season on November 7th after a championship, right? right. Um, it, it doesn't work that way, unfortunately, whether it be international guys dealing with visas. Dealing with mm-hmm. national team call-ups, which we're going to be able to talk about in the near future, hopefully with one of our guys. Um, and sometimes you're just not able to fill the spots. Um, particular to Taylor, um, this is a situation where Matt Glazer, our head coach and technical director, received a phone call from Oakland Roots. Um, I received a phone call from a, a former friend, an old friend of mine at Oakland Roots. Um, We were still looking to build our goalkeeping core and create a little bit of competition in that role. It's something that I think Phil, historically Phil Breno's thrived on. Mm -hmm. Um, When you look at previous years, some of (laughs) Phil's best performances were when the possibility of it was was it Brady who might be playing or might be yeah. here from Chicago or some of the other guys on the roster? And I think Phil's had some outstanding performances when he's a little bit more on edge and a little bit more challenged every day. And, sure. And so that's the goal of why you bring players in, right, is to create that competitive environment. Um, and unfortunately, it didn't happen on Feb- February 11th. It happened in this case. It'll be dated May 9th, but it ends up being on Tuesday. What are we sitting here on? May 5th, May 17th, right? Yeah, yeah continuing that roster build continuing that competitive environment is what it's all about. And as you said, it's smiling and dialing and guys, calling you <laughs> and guys move players along. Um, Taylor particularly just signed a new contract with the club there. Yep. That's a couple year deal. And so he, they just wanted to get them some games and get them some sure. experience. They already had three goalkeepers in house. And so let's see if we can move along to somebody that they trust a coaching staff that they trust in Matt and JP and Neil's case the mm-hmm. environment that they trust, and the, the environment that we have here at Ford Madison, from a training environment, from a playing environment, from a fandom environment, um, and and knew that we would be traveling properly, that we would be training properly, and all that. And so, I think in that regard, it's a good fit for both Oakland and for uh, us here at Ford Madison to bring Taylor in at this time.
0: Now, um, uh, Oakland Roots blog is uh, reporting that there that part of this deal is some guaranteed starts for him. Is, is that true that you know of? I don't know, some guaranteed minutes? Yeah, I
2: don't know about that. Okay. I I know is that it's a competitive environment that for mm -hmm. for Taylor to come here, he's going to have to train well. He's going to have to play well when he gets his chances. And you know what? For Phil, I hope he continues to play well and make the saves like he did. He made a big time save in the first half the other night, didn't he? He made a couple bunch of big time saves at Richmond, didn't he? And and so uh, for him, I hope that he stays with his edges sharpened, too.
0: Yeah, I just I just, in fact, saw uh, from the league that Despite the the difficult uh, loss of the other night, that Phil is still uh, a nominee for save of the week. Is he really? Uh, yeah, it was a big time save. It was. It was huge. Uh, and he's he's having a, a hell of a year. But uh, turning the pace to um, well, let's actually let's before we move on too far, let's talk about your background a little bit. You come from the college environment, um, <clears throat> which you know we know that the college game is just different, right? They, they finally got rid of overtime. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
2: Uh, that's a start the, maybe the,
0: the purists say thank god for that now can we can we work on the clock uh but th- just thinking about the the kind of players you have there and you're you're still in a development mode in this current role so you're you're taking guys in from to college to kind of get them through that environment and maybe train them up to to you've had a quite a few guys drafted and mm-hmm. like you know move on to the to professional ranks um how is how are you approaching this role differently from that if we are at all
2: yeah, I'm not sure it's different. It's interesting you just brought up the, the players that we had at Wisconsin. I, I was looking at something the other day. I think we had 13 players in my 13 years that went professional at some varying level. Mm-hmm. Um, Carl Schneider's here with us right now at Forward sure. Madison. Yep. Drew Connors here with us at Forward Madison. Um, Chris Mueller just came back from Hibernian and is at Chicago Fire now. Yep. Um, and it's always fun to talk about those guys, right? And some of the guys that you remember the most are the guys that maybe didn't play professionally. And they're professionals in some other – aspect of life right they're professional husbands they're professional fathers they're professionals and whatever they chose to do for a living and you strive for excellence and I you know I'm not sure that's much different than what we're trying to do here right um you know you you want to show the guys that you care about them you want to engage with them there's nothing better for me I tell them every week you know the guys line up and they get ready to walk out on the field and I stand there kind of at the top of the stairs here at Breeze. And I stand on the end of the field after the game and I can't wait to shake their hands. I can't wait to give them a little hug. And when they walk out, I tell them it's the best part of my week. I get to watch them perform. Um, I want them Mm -hmm. to know that I care about them. I want to know that we're trying to make things safe for them and comfortable for them when we travel. I want to make sure that they understand it's going to are hopefully settled and comfortable for them to be here in Madison. Um, If they want to kind of try and build the brand of whoever they are, that we want to help them get engaged with the community, whether that be with the youth organizations and the clinics that we're doing, it could be the camps that we're doing. It could be the corporate partnerships that we have. And aspirationally, I think it's one of the things that I think soccer pro professional soccer teams are trying to build is that sort of player personnel department of how you really develop a player for what's next. And that's really what college is, isn't it? Um, It's trying to move players along. And Oh, by the way, they happen to be playing a little bit of soccer in the meantime. You know, you're right about the rules of college over time. i working for John Trask at Wisconsin. He was actually on the rules committee and oh, yeah. for a long time in the NCAA. And man, was he ever all over him every year about the watch and the referee having the watch and not having this countdown clock that all of a sudden games got so spirited in the last 60 seconds, you know, and <laughs> balls and launching themselves into each other and things like that. You can talk about the, you know, the the lack of a full year season or a 10-month season mm-hmm. in the 21st century model is kind of what they call it right now and all those different things. But at the end of the day, one of the things that you have to remember about college sports, it is about that development. I think there is still a way to do that in the professional sport. I do believe that it is still, you know, look at our team. We have a 30-year-old on our team, Abdu. Mm-hmm. We have an 18-year-old on our team in Alan Torres. Yeah, We have a 20-year-old from Finland. You know, we've, we've got guys from you know, all over the place that different level, we have different levels of maturity. We have different levels of intelligence. We have different, you know, all of us have different traits and characteristics. It takes all kinds of, by the way, to have a good team, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but I think there is still room for that. development. <laughs> However, if we can, if the player wants to buy in how we can help them develop and they need to know, we care about them. And I think that's one of my roles.
0: Um, we, the, speaking of the current squad and the current sort of, you know, some of the frustrations that are happening, you, the, the, uh, the club is, is dealing with some injuries right now, obviously with uh, Wheels being out since the Minnesota game and, and Derek missing a couple of games. And now, uh, I don't know about Bartman. It, it, he, and um, There was another minor injury last week that didn't travel. Um, without getting into specifics of those guys, I mean, you being the soccer ops guy, you see an injury happen. What do you have? What are there steps that you have to take to assess that injury to figure out what we're, we're going to do? Yeah, to after my goal, heart or... sinks,
2: then there is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, and it's it seems like you're right. It seems like every time we turn around, there's another one happening, whether yeah. it's a sickness or an injury. And um, you know, you talk about the results of the season so far, and you talk about where we are as a team, and you you've got a new coaching staff, you've got a new role in my position, a new person, in this role, um, you've got new players right, left, and center all around the team. You've got a few guys that are holdovers. But for the most part, it's a brand-new group, isn't it? And and no matter what you do, every season is going to be a brand-new group. Um, And it takes a while to get to know each other's characteristics and understand each other's attributes and traits. And I'm a genuine believer that it's a partner game. I believe that the game is built on partnerships all around the soccer field. And the way you do that is by recognizing the traits and attributes of your partners next to you, around you, in front of you, behind you, and figuring out how to benefit from those attributes that that guy brings and how, how they can benefit from the attributes that you bring. And when you're not able to be on the field together, when you're not healthy, when you're new to each other, it takes time. It really does take time. Um, It was, it was awesome to have the victory at, at Richmond. The, the spirit and the team was excellent and continues to be excellent. Um, the spirit and the team, when they do show up for training, when I'm there and they're, they're just playing rondos to start and having a good time with each other. It's awesome. Um, but you can tell that we miss guys every day right now. And, and yeah. you can tell that the real learning and the real experiential learning isn't happening yet. And we're getting closer. We're getting a lot closer. I think you look at other things that happen and it's, You know, it's hard to train when it's 29, 30, 39 degrees, whatever it was. And then it's hard to train when it's 89 degrees 15 minutes later, right? (laughs) um, Maybe we're entering that window in Wisconsin when it's so awesome to be outside and maybe we start to benefit as some of our guys get healthy here, whether, again, because of sickness or injury. When they get to actually train, Matt can do some teaching with his staff. (laughs) Guys are feeling good about being on the soccer field physically, feeling good about being on the soccer field mentally feeling comfortable about being on the soccer field because of the weather. And, and all of a sudden, I think we're, we're going to enter into a window where I think you're going to see us progress for sure and, and, and just gain that knowledge, that experiential knowledge of each other. And I think our team's going to perform better because of it.
0: Um, is there, given the injuries, given the, the sort of struggles uh, we've had that, that, that the group has had to, to create chances, finish chances, is, are there any feelers out right now to, to pick up another uh, striker or two or, or attacking tech players?
2: Yeah, I don't know if there's anything specific, but I would tell you that I think that's one of, the, one of the things that any pro soccer organization has to be doing and continue your recruitment year-round. It can't just happen in November when the season ends into December, into the start of the year, January, and into your preseason in February. I think keeping tabs on who's out there, where players are, whether it be international or domestic, um, players moving inside the USL, players moving from MLS to USL, and it's not necessarily a down situation as we all know. Um, players coming up from the college ranks. Um, I think there's always, you always have to keep your eye out. And I think we've done a nice job of that from a coaching staff standpoint with JP and Neil in particular of them keeping their tabs uh, and their lines of communication open with agents, with contacts that they have around the world. Um, I think we've done a nice job of that. And so long way of saying it, yes, we're always keeping an eye out. Is there anything particular on the horizon? I wouldn't be able to say right now. Yeah. I think the bigger issue, to be honest, Rob, I really do believe, I think we got a good team. I think we got the right players here. I think it's a matter of getting them healthy and getting them on the field together, as I said before. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, I'm sure you you experience this with Badger fans, but also for Madison fans, uh, football fans, sports fans are fickle, right? We're, we're, you know, we beat you, you go to to Richmond, win 1 0, we're going to win the championship. Yeah, you know, we go to uh, uh, we go elsewhere and, and lose, and um, we're, we're the world's ending. Uh, <laughs> I have to believe that the professionals are a bit more steady than that. But what's the mood like in the locker room right now
2: among the, it's a good mood. And
0: the players?
2: Yeah, I think it's a good mood. I think uh, again, I think um, guys are aware. I mean, obviously, guys know what our own tri- uh, trials and tribulations are. They know sure. what's happening within our own results. Obviously, they they live it. Um, to think that there's not emotional outbursts about that. Sometimes there are, and the best ones are at Richmond in the locker room after the game, right. Um, To hold on and win that game. And, and yeah. you guys got, you got guys singing and dancing in the locker room and it's freaking <laughs> awesome. It yeah. really is. Um And I find myself being a fan too, by the way, I found myself after I shake hands with them, going up to the top of the stadium, watching, and I've been wearing a scarf every game and I find a scoring a goal and I'm hooting and hollering. I've never done that. And I don't know how many years and all of a sudden, I'm screaming. Yeah. Um, and then I see something happen and I'm kind of uh, gritting my teeth and, mm-hmm. and all that. And it, it's interesting, the emotional swings and you have to let that out a little bit, but I think overall, I think our team is in a pretty good place. As I said, you, the few times I do get to walk out to training, the volume levels up. There's an excitement within the group. They enjoy yeah. each other's company. It seems, um, there's some real personalities in there. And again, we all have different attributes and some of them are outgoing, engaging personalities. Some were quiet, kind of snickering, giggling personalities. Some of them can be pretty dour and, and tough guys too. And there's value in that for sure. Um, but I think all in all, I think the spirit in the group's very, very good right now.
0: Well, Keith, I really appreciate your time. I will probably, uh, I, I will have at least two of my own kids in one of those camps. Nice, one of those camp right camps. Uh, my, my son did the Eintracht camp last year and is probably going to do it again this year. Good. So we will be engaged. And uh, I hope you're able to, to come around to Mount Horv Soccer Club where I coach.
2: Uh, right
0: and uh at some point but um we really appreciate you giving us a, a few minutes today and, and best of luck going into the. thank list. you rob appreciate
2: it and
0: thanks once again to keith Temeier for spending the time with us and for his insights uh let's uh finish strong here with our full mingo shout outs kyle as guest host why don't you go first
1: all right so my first one um if Unfortunately, it's going to somewhat start with the, I don't know, but uh, with everything that happened over in Buffalo the previous weekend, um, it was kind of disheartening uh, to see a lot of silence from a majority of supporter groups. But I wanted to shout out Robert who runs the FC Colm um, USA Twitter account. He kind of had a good thread talking about, you know, Hey, this is for those that maybe follow the club that don't really know what's going on in America. Here's what happened. This is an issue. Here's why and he laid out a very great thread, um, kind of detailing the issues with racism, with you know everything that's going on in the country. So I just want to give a shout out to him. Like I said, for a lot of other supporter groups that didn't really say anything, the fact that it was you know this person that's running a German team's American soccer account like that is it, to me that kind of stood out. And I've met Robert; and he's a really good guy. So it's not this. I'm not surprised he did it, but it was still something that. Deserves a shout-out, so that's the first one I'll do. Um, the second one, and I'll be more positive, the USLW League. Uh, they had their kickoff a couple weeks ago, so that was pretty cool to see that up and running. Uh, definitely good to see plenty of you know USL teams, whether I know Greenville Liberty, they had their first match previously, uh, North Carolina and Charlotte. They had a match. Minnesota Aurora's got one coming up, so it's pretty cool to see the USLW League you know, kind of start getting into full swing and how that translates into how that season goes. And then eventually with the super championship that USL is trying to do, I I think it's just good to get more women's soccer involved as much as possible. Um, So that was kind of neat. And then the third one, I want to give a shout out to Cassidy. Um, They Olive and York are doing different um, kits for each state. So they kind of go through and talk and have someone make the kit for whatever state they're doing. So Cassidy was the Wisconsin representative, and of course, she knocked it out of the park. Uh, Her kid, it kind of had the state flower, kind of as the base design, and then it was kind of promoting abortion rights and letting that, obviously, with all the stuff with Roe v. Wade that's happening, so that was something I wanted to give her a big shout-out on. If you haven't seen it, make sure to check out Olive and York's uh, Twitter page. It's up there, and like I said, it's I think it's available for sale right now, so I think if... I don't know if it's still on sale, but Definitely check it out. Definitely give Cassidy her props. She still cannot make a bad kit. So good on her.
0: She'll never make a bad kit.
1: I don't. Uh, I don't think it's possible. No,
0: no. I don't, I don't think it's. I don't, I don't think she's got an inner to miss. <laughs> uh, but speaking of W League, Green Bay Glory gets underway next week, and uh, we are currently in the midst of trying to schedule uh, head coach Sarah Hagan for a special, hmm. probably a special, um, like a special episode. Such so a bonus episode kind of interview. So, watch your feed for that. All right. My first uh, shout out has to go to Fobrino, who, as we mentioned, kept Madison in this match. The offense couldn't help him out at all. And the two goals he conceded were, you know, yeah, he'll tell you he should have saved them, but I don't know if that's true necessarily. Uh, but he had two tremendous saves and to come out of a match that you lose 2 0 and still are nominated for save of the week. That's a pretty good night. Um, Oh, we should also mention, we never, we didn't talk about Taylor Bailey. Uh, Oh yeah. (laughs) Keith mentioned him, but, uh, but you know, still shout out for Phil who uh, uh, we know that um, he's going to have a a bit more of a a pressure with Taylor Bailey coming down from Oakland Roots on loan, which was just announced on Tuesday. Um, I hear from Oakland Roots folks that we're getting a really athletic keeper who is, um, a bit raw. He basically missed the 2020 season with an injury, uh, but uh, should be able to do some good things and, and as Keith mentioned, push Phil to to keep the number one spot, so we'll uh, keep an eye on that. Also, uh, the club told me, Evan at the club told me that this was not like an urgent it, like no like you, ditch you kind of fake no like you guys it's not it's not like you guys haven't scored for three weeks how why are you finding a goalkeeper it, it's not that at all and it's not that Phil was injured or that Phil's not doing well this is a, a deal that's kind of been in the works for a little while right so don't don't take it the wrong way definitely okay. good
1: disclaimer to throw out there
0: yeah 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 when, yeah when they when they announced Tuesday that they're announcing a new player I'm sure everybody's like ooh, a striker but no uh, <laughs> but anyway uh, my second shout out it goes to Union Omaha. Uh, it's always uh, forward Madison in 2019 earned the $25,000 bonus f- as the last division three team standing. And this year that goes to union Omaha f- who beat another division three team in, in uh, North, uh, North Colorado uh, to make it to the round of uh, round of 16, which is fantastic for union Omaha and really good for league one and good for division three soccer. Uh, and my final shout out is for the Mount Horeb U10 girls. Who we mentioned that um, Fort Madison did not uh, travel with very many people with very many subs, and that was no excuse. And my girls that I coach traveled with, with, with an hour away to Janesville. We had zero subs. We had, we weren't sure we'd be able to field the team until about ten minutes before game time when our last kid showed up, and we still earned a three-three draw out of that. And I'm so proud of you, Kate, Molly, Amelia G, Olivia K, Zoe, Lottie, McKenzie, Great work, kids. Uh, and those are the three shout outs from each of us. And we're going to finish strong, as we always do, with a full mingle fun fact. And this one is on uh, Charlotte Independence. Kyle, do you know why it's called the Charlotte Independence?
1: I do not know. I was I was curious because why it's called Independence and why the horse is a, like kind of in the logo. I've always been mm-hmm. curious about that.
0: Yes. Uh, it is named for the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence, which purportedly was delivered on horseback in 1775, uh, in in which this document supposedly uh, declared the citizens of Mecklenburg County, North Carolina, free and independent people, a year before the United States declared independence from Britain. Now, this um, is probably not true.
1: It's probably one of those folk stories that you know. Sort of a started. folk story, yeah. yeah. It was
0: it was not even this this document wasn't like published until like 1819, like 40 something <laughs> years later. But it was uh supposedly uh you know, delivered on horseback uh which is where the horse comes from and uh on parchment which is the the third color of the Charlotte Independence kits is actually called parchment. So, uh there's your fun fact. That's why it's called Charlotte Independence. And uh Charlotte Independence Brings all their goal-scoring prowess to Madison on Saturday, 7 p.m. kickoff. We'll be there. We hope you're there, and we hope for a full Mingo win.
1: And it'll be good weather, supposedly. Good weather, finally. F- first. <laughs> Non-rainy. Um, I think it might day. be the
0: first home game with decent weather, right?
1: Yes. I was uh, say other though. than
0: the, that wasn't a friendly.
1: So. Yeah, I was going to say, though, UW-friendly was gray but i'm not counting that i think yeah the (laughs) omaha match was probably the first one that was like not terrible Mm -hmm. right right
0: yep that's true the omaha match was was not a terrible night but the rest of them were rainy and gross and uh even the even the more recent some of the home uh, away games have been pretty gross weather so uh it should be an enjoyable evening and uh, we hope to see you there kyle thank you so much for pitching for jeremy
1: no problem. I appreciate you guys having me on, and don't worry. Again, if for those that were wanting Jeremy back, he will be back. Don't worry. He'll i will be back. I'm, just, I'm the substitute teacher. <laughs> Very good. All right, folks.
0: Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon.